Uh, first of all, I'd like to welcome you all. Good evening. Hope you haven't had too strenuous a day at work. And uh, we're begin going to take a trip this evening. But you're already on a journey, on a journey through the path of mysticism. And uh, I was very kindly given some notes that you were given on the cloud of unknowing, etc. And I read them, and I liked them very much. And this evening we carry on on the journey, and we, we go to Germany. And I think it's fitting that uh, we arrive in Germany. And for a journey, you need a map. And I'd like to talk about a map. And we also need a method, because the map is not the territory. You can have a lovely map. And my wife and myself, Jill, went recently to the Lake District for five days to visit friends. We had a very good map. But when we arrived there, the map didn't look anything like the territory. <laughs> and we circled around and around, and we phoned on our mobiles, and they phoned back. And we said, there's a tree, and we said, yes, there are many trees in the Lake District. But eventually we got there. But the map wasn't the territory. It's very, very important to remember. And all the mystics, and this is also very important to remember, all the mystics are like signposts. You know, and never mistake the signpost for the journey. Because that could be fatal. If we went outside the hall door today and saw Bombay, 5,000 miles, and we stood there looking at it, we called each other over and said, look, Bombay, 5,000 miles. We said, yes, 5,000 miles. Well, we'd never get there. <laughs> we have to make the journey. And this is very important. And to, so we need a map, and we need a method. And because we're going to Germany, I'm going to teach you four German words. This is a bit of, of, of as it's in Dublin, learning for you. <laughs> and the first word is, the first German word is Erfahrung. Now you don't need to know any German, but you can look at it and say, well, what does it really mean? Well, it's the German word for experience. So if you look up an etymological dictionary of the German language, you discover that experience, the word experience, comes from to be on a journey, to make a journey. From Farron to travel. And when we encounter Maestro Eckhart, we're already on the journey. I met Maestro Eckhart when I was over 40 years of age. He happened to be at the right crossroads at the right time in the right place. And he said, That way. I said, Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, if you're in Ireland and you stop to ask someone the way, and they say, how far is it? Say a mile and a bit. <laughs> and the bit is all about 10 miles. <laughs> so we start, we have a map. We're looking for a map. And Meister Eckhart is, is a cartographer. He gives us a map. Nothing more, but we've got to make the journey. Like when you went, if you left here tonight and went into a restaurant, you'd hardly eat the menu and forget the meal. So the danger is, I'm going to give you a menu, but the menu is never the meal. So don't eat the menu. <laughs> so we want a map and we want a journey. And the journey begins with an experience. Now you're experiencing me for the first time. And I'm experiencing you for the first time. So we're, the, the journey has started. So passing your safety belts. <laughs> we move on. Now on a journey there are many things to be understood. And in our exploration of, of Meister Eckhart tonight, there are many things do we not need to understand. So after, the, after we start the journey, you know there's a Korean proverb that says, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one pace. So after experience, Uppsala, we come, comes the second stage, and it's called Verstehen. Because I mean, we're going to Germany, we want a few German words, and we get there. Now, I always thought, and this is true, I always thought verstehen, which means to understand in English. I always thought verstehen <coughs> means you know, I've grasped it. 
But Verstehen doesn't mean that in German at all. Verstehen means to stand in front of something. Fair. Stehen. Stehen is to stand like fair is to travel. Stehen is to... So you stand in front of something kind of... I met a friend today, <coughs> and he brought me to the, uh, we met in, in um, Cecil Court, and he said, have you ever seen the French church? It's a beautiful um, kind of uh, hanging of our, of our Lady, of a, kind of a, an embroidery of Our Lady in this French church. And it was absolutely beautiful and magnificent, very, very unusual. But I was standing there, a bit mouth, my mouth open looking at it. I was in the moment of Verstehen, Staunen. It was amazing. And when we come on to the text, which we will very quickly, come on to the text of Meister Eckhart, uh, we'll, we'll move from experiencing reading the text to Verstehen. We'll try to Verstehen. So we stand in front of it, to stand in front of. And because there are many understandings, when I read a text, there'll be many, each one of you. You're in the middle of a journey, and you bring all your experience, all your past experience, all your, your hopes, dreams, aspirations, disappointments, etc., to the reading of the text. I mean, where is the meaning of the text? Well, the meaning is in you and in, partly in the text. It's kind of a dialogue with the text. Because there's many, many ways of standing in front of a text, of looking at a text, verstehen. We need some time to reflect. And you won't be surprised to find out that, that reflect, reflectieren, to reflect on a text, means to turn around, reflecto. Flecto, flect, reflexi, flexum. Talk about the flexibility of your elbow or something. So reflectieren, we need time to reflect about, turn around. Now there's a, a Latin word, Repente. And repente means turn around. <coughs> and Jesus in the Gospel says, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn 100 degrees around. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. It's now. This is it. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the last, there's only four, because you thank God there are only four of them. The last is Entscheidung. Make a decision. And it also means to order, to put in the right place. So we have a fourfold, <coughs> we have a fourfold methodology on this journey to the Rhine and Mystics. Starts off with the experience goes on to understanding. Because there are several understandings when we look at any of the texts. We will look at some texts, hopefully, this evening together. We have time for re re to reflect on, to return around, turn around, listen, listen to each other. This is the text means to me, this is what it means to me. I have a different opinion, maybe. It's, and there's a consensus, a kind of a census communis is gathered together. And then there's an, uh, a, and then Entscheidung was made, a decision is made, and what happens when we make a decision? We go back to the next experience. So human knowing, and Meister Eckhart, one of the principal things about Meister Eckhart, he talks about the intellectus, he talks about knowing. Knowing plays a tremendous part in Meister Eckhart. He's very, very keen on knowing. Because his knowing is wanting, or at one with. Be still and know that I am God, for example, is in the big book. So we have a map and we have a method and we're on the journey. My straight was on a journey too. We don't know when he was actually born. We know that he entered the Dominicans when he was roughly between 15 and 17. We know he studied in Paris, where he became master, a master. We know he was a very good theologian. We also know that he was a pastor, that he, he, was a, he worked in a parish, so to speak. 
and he was in the provincial of the Dominicans. I'm not going into that too much tonight at all, because I want to say our time is short, and as the Romans say, fest in the lente, hurry slowly. But that's the type of thing you can look up in books. So I'm not going into all of that. It's very, very intricate stuff. And why, I'm not even going into the whole idea of, of the heresy, or why he was accused of heresy. Simply to say there was a, a lot of schmazzle going on between the Franciscans and the Dominicans. And the Franciscan Archbishop of Cologne didn't like Meister Eckhart. This is putting it in kind of the sun, um, the summary of it. And he wanted to get, get him out. So he, he, he decided to get him out, and they were... He was reported for using very kind of strange language. And he saw, so the first thing he was very interested in knowing, not just intellectual knowing, I mean, as Blaise Pascal said, the heart has reasons of which the reason knows nothing. But the religious life has a tension of opposites. Now, what was, the, what was his day like? It was quite like our, our time. Things were cracking apart. The church had moved from Rome to Avignon. The church was quite corrupt. There was an inquisition was going on. People were being hanged, Rome and quartered very readily. Uh, there were free spirits are coming up. People were saying all sorts of wonderful things and having visions and didn't want anything up to do with the church. William Ockham, who was also accused of heresy, an Englishman, uh, he was saying, you know, we can't really, supposing it was very, very blurry. And people were very nervous. And there was a lot of poverty. And there were terrible winters around that period. It was the little, the, the planet began to get very cold. It was a very interesting description. Just one or two sentences. But I mean, don't worry, we're on our way. <clears throat> it takes time to get to Germany from here, so we'll we'd, we'd be there in a minute. <laughs> He says here, um, what does he say about the times? The times are pretty awful. Um, they, there was a lot of poverty, there was a lot of murders, all sorts of things were going on. The towns were, were running out of food, etc., etc., etc. And everything, the cozy world that had existed, the cozy world within the church when everything was good, that was breaking down dangerously. Kind of like our, kind of the secularization was taking place. Not unlike our times. Although they didn't have Big Brother or Hoshin um, <laughs> Beck. They had the equivalent. So they knew the price of everything and the value of nothing. And so what I want you to do as we go into this journey is I want you to make your journey as we go along together. So we're kind of in a train, but don't forget yourself. Because my Eckhart wouldn't like you to forget yourself at all as we journey on the... Now, there are lots of books, a fantastic number of books written about Meister Eckhart. They get longer every day, every month, every year. In this little um, Meister Eckhart review, which we publish every year, at the back of it every year, they, they tell of all the... Um, this is the Meister Eckhart review, which is a very good little product. Um, comes out once a year, and they give all the latest books. And there are literally thousands of them about Meister Eckhart, absolutely thousands. But the, the book I've chosen, the book I like most of all, if I was to take one book on a desert island, and I couldn't have Meister Eckhart myself, it was The Way of Paradox by Cyprian Smith. This is a beautiful, I've given it so many times for, as presents to people, I don't know. It's a wonderful introduction. It's not an easy book, it it's, reads easy, but I was talking to someone in the beginning, and she said, and I, I agreed with her, um, it's a book you have to read very slowly. It's not a difficult book, but there are some sentences and you kind of, kind of want to kind of sit down and walk around them for a while. But I want to kind of take this book as a skeleton and then we make our own comment on Meister Eckhart. Cyprian Smith, I want to lean on him for a while. He says, Meister Eckhart knew the church. He also had a profound knowledge of the human heart what was in the human heart. And the desire of humans for God. He was kind of convinced of this desire of humans for God. That what we really, really desire, desire beyond desire, is to be in, with, in union with God. And unity plays a tremendous role in his thinking. 
I cannot know God unless I know myself. So the search for God and the search for self are one and the same. But that's extraordinarily important to kind of hold on to. The search for God and the search for self are one and the same. And he also knows what human, what human beings need. And he says, religious life is, as it is in the quotation, but religious life only has meaning when it is related to what goes on inside us. We can go to the churches, and we're not, not going to church, we do all the sacraments, we do etc., etc. But it's also, there's an interior and an exterior. There are two ways of, of we move out and we move in. And the heart, and that's why Cyprian Smith calls the book The Way of Paradox. What is a paradox? But a paradox is the moment I begin to speak to you is the moment my talk begins to end. We go to bed in the morning, or sorry, we go to bed at night and we get up in the morning. And the day is passing, dying we live, living we die. These are all paradoxes. And the centre of life is paradox. The more I know, the more I know, I don't know. All of you know that. I haven't got you kind of underlying the obvious. And God is a reality for Meister Eckhart to be experienced from within, but not solely. He's all the time moving inwards and outwards, and inward, and he's a very, very delicate, keeps a very delicate balance. If I was to sum up the whole of Meister Eckhart in one sentence, it would be a sentence from Jeremy Hopkins. And the, the, it's a little poem from Jeremy Hopkins, my favorite poet, and he says, The God I come from. To thee go. All day long I like fountain flow from thy hand out. Swayed about, moat like in thy mighty glow. Now that to me is the epitome of my strength. I repeat it again. It's incidentally, I had lovely notes prepared for you, typed up and everything. You'll get them next week. They're stuck in the computer. <laughs> <laughs> I think the cat turned off the computer. But you'll have them next week, and this poem is the poem is there. So, the God I come from. Jeremy Hopkins always begins with thee. His famous poem, the writer of the Deutschland, starts, Thou mastering me, God. God is always prior. To Jeremiah Hopkins, as God was prior to my sacred. God is being, we participate in being. Thee, God, I come from, to thee go. All day long I like fountain flow from thy hand out, swayed about, moat like in thy mighty glow. That's the whole of Eckhart. Now, how did Eckhart get this knowledge? Because he was on a journey too, remember? He was on the... He had a family. He was born in 1260. We don't know precisely. And that's nice. We haven't got to know these, all these. In a place called Hochheim, which is Erfurt. And the church actually is still there in Erfurt, where... He entered the Dominicans in 1275, so he was 15, at Erfurt. And we know that he did a studium generale in, in Cologne. That was kind of a probationary period, in the, not a probationary but the, the training of the Dominican. And he came to Paris, he did his degree in Paris in 1302, where he did his magister, he did his, his baccalaureate and his magister. And from then on, he was known as Meister Eckhart, really Master Eckhart. Uh, he was condemned, and as I was saying, I won't go into this because it's it, it far too complicated, for heresy in, in 1323 by the Archbishop of Cologne. And, but he, and he said in, in 1323, I've never intended to preach heresy. And there's been a tremendous amount of work being done um, on, on clearing up all of that. Now, the age in which he was living was an age of turmoil. On the one hand, you had these um, people who were saying uh, the old orders are breaking down, 
we're free spirits rather than the free spirit we can do what we like. On the other hand, you had people who were getting quite um, conservative, and he would, he had to tread a path, a very delicate path between these many, many. Um, so he knew what it was like to live in a, in a declining culture on the threshold of profound change. So in that, he's like us. We're experiencing something similar. We've got our mobiles, but as a result of it, we're getting more distant from each other. Now, where did he get his experience or knowledge of the inner life? And what, which is the core of his teaching? What's the very essence of Meister Eckhart's teaching? Something to happen to him to lead him into the depths of himself. Now, Jung, in, in one of his writings, said he had some sort of a breakthrough, a Durchbruch, a Durchbruch. It means a breakthrough. That often happens, people. They often have a, something happens to them in their lives. It could be something sad, someone dies. It could be something very happy. And they have a Durchbruch. Sometimes people who come to me and are experiencing breakdown, Occasionally, I say, not always, maybe it's a breakthrough that you're experiencing. Because a breakdown can often be a breakthrough into another sort of reality. And Jung thought things that he encountered his shadow at some level. And that's, that's kind of speculation. I, I don't want to go into it. But what he came out of from his experience, of course, the question I want to ask each one of you is, you know, did you ever have an experience that you would call mystical? And what would a mystical experience be like? Because that's very, very important. I'm asking each one of you. I don't want to do, I'm not going to point to anyone, but did you ever have a mystical experience? And what would it be like? Let me give you a tiny example. I was walking up along Kilburn Road one day, and there was a man walking in front of me. Ten yards ahead. Now there were two little lads coming down, an Indian and a kid with a very typical Irish face, full of freckles and tossed hair. And they, I, they asked him something and he just, and then he walked on. And then I was next in line and they came up to me and the little fellow, the Irish little fellow, said to me, could you give us ten pence for a, a telephone? We want to make a telephone call. Would you give us 10 pence? His hands were like organ stops. I said, uh, yeah, if I have 10 pence, you can have it. And I put my hand in my pocket and I took it out. And there was a 10 pence sitting on top of it. And I bent down and I said, take it, it's yours. And so he took it. And then I turned to the little Indian lad and I said, and would you like something? And he looked at me and he said, no. We only want 10 pence for a telephone call. You say there was nothing strange about that. But at that moment I realized this child is my master. He could teach me a thing or two. All they wanted was 10 pence for a telephone call. He didn't want anything superfluous. It was enough. Enough is enough. And that passed between the two of us. I've never forgotten them. So would you call it mystical? I would. So let go of all that is that all in us that is not God. And we're talking in terms of when we're with Meister Eckhart, his companion, what a companion to be with. We're talking about apophatic mysticism. Kind of darkness and... So his, his aim is to open the wisdom eye. This is a great, he talks about this in the sermons, to open the wisdom eye, the eye of the heart. And what he's teaching is a new way of knowing. It's very important to know what, is, what, what can we learn from Meister Eckhart. And remember, I'm still only in the signpost. What we can learn from Meister Eckhart is a new way of knowing. Be still and know that I am God. 
Now, when you read him, and we will read him, there's immense energy and passion in him. He grips, compares, fascinates. It phrases jump out at you. God's in, I'm out. What? <laughs> God's in, I'm out. Wow. God's in, I'm out. God's in, I'm out. You go for a walk. God's in, I'm out. 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 And you're contemplating, what does that mean? Then St. Augustine says, God is more intimate to me than I am to myself. In the Confessions, God is more intimate to me than I am to myself. What? Now, how could you understand that? The answer is you couldn't. You'd blow your brains out. You'd be taken away by four little men in white coats. <laughs> Screeching and roaring. <laughs> but you can see it. God's in, I'm out. What does it mean, God's in, I'm out? Who's asking whom? Who's asking whom? When you read that text, God's in, I'm out. Well, I'm asking me. I found the text, and I'm walking through the park in front of my house in the early morning. God's in, I'm out. God's in, I'm out. And what does it mean? Well, what does it mean for you? My meaning would have no meaning for you. Like I have your appearance, but I don't have your reality. And I will never have your reality. What a relief. I have your appearance, but I will never, ever have your reality. Why? Because only you have your reality. You can tell me about it. You have, and if you do, you have me eating out of the pan of your hand. But if you talk to me about my reality, I'll just close off. Because you know nothing about my reality until I choose to tell you. So when we read the texts, as we'll be coming on to it, there's a lovely light, airy, there's a lot of humour in his texts. And his vision speaks of the open air and the free-blowing wind. God's in, I'm out. What does it mean? Well, I'm not, I don't ex ex explain myself. Jared Manley Hawkins says, Thee God I come from, to thee go, all day long I like fountain flow from thy hand out, swayed about, moat-like in thy mighty glow. So here I am, a, a thought in the mind of God, an expression of God. And here all of you, each one of you, each individually, an expression of God. Wow. Respective of where you are, what stages you are, whether you're in Highland Prison where I visit every Sunday. Each one. Poets, you see, have this vision. And Eckhart is a poet as well, I think. A poet of paradox. Joseph Plunkett had it when he said, I see his blood upon the rose, and in the stars the glory resides. His body gleams amid eternal snows, his tears fall from the skies. That's a mystic vision. All pathways by his feet are warm, his strong heart stirs the ever beaten sea, etc. So he opens the eye of the heart. Eckhart opens the eye of the heart. The heart is his reasons of which the the reason knows nothing. 
He moves us down our body from our hands to our hearts. And incidentally, in the books written about Meister Eckhart, some are written from the head and are unbelievably appalling. <laughs> if you want to get a bad migraine, read some of the books of Meister Eckhart. Just head tripping. After one sentence, you're kind of. <laughs> some are written from the heart. But he wants to open the eye of the heart, to believe and to love. But he says, no, we want to know God. Never forget that about Master. He wants to know God. And he sees knowledge as a very intimate, as a unifying, where two become one. Knowledge on a middle, he says. Knowledge without any intermediary. That's what he's going for. He wants to know God. With all my heart and all my soul. And all that's what he wants. He wants this un unity. Unity is at the heart of Meister Eckhart's mysticism. It's the knowledge that Adam knows Eve in this way. It's the knowledge that, that lies between parents and children. It's the knowledge that boxers have when they're in the ring. It's the knowledge that a good snooker player has. But to become one with it, Michael Schumacher has when he drives his Ferrari. He becomes one with the one with. He goes into the zone. It's the knowledge Beckham has when he takes a free kick, where he can make the ball do anything he wants. This is the the unit, the, the total expression of himself. Now, Meister Eckhart is looking for that in his relationship to God. More intimate to me than I am to myself. Beautiful expression. And God wants to have this relationship with us, Meister Eckhart tells us. And of course, we know from our Old Testament, just to take one example, Isaiah 43, Thus now, says Yahweh, who is creating you, do not be afraid, I am with you, I have called you by your name, you are mine, because you are precious in my love. Because you are precious in my eyes, I love you, do not be afraid, I am with you. But that's pure Meister Eckhart. This tremendous love, this undeserved love, this expression of love in God. And Meister Eckhart has a very, very interesting way of looking at God. God is the transcendent one, the totally other, the Godhead about which no word can be said. But even the Trinity doesn't get a look in, so to speak. Because God reveals to us, and through God's revelation, God speaks the word that is his son. But even in, in when Meister Eckhart begins to look at his son, he doesn't talk much about the passion, he doesn't talk much about the resurrection, but he does talk about the incarnation. And he's very fascinated by the incarnation. And why is he so fascinated by the incarnation? Because that's the moment when God becomes man, so that man may become God. This tremendous pass, this tremendous bridge. And Meister Eckhart is red, red hot, so to speak, of far when he talks about that. And yet he talks about the paradox is detachment. So Meister Eckhart's program is the practice of detachment Now what is this practice of, of detachment? We'll have a look at it in a moment. Till we become one with God, the, the unity of God. Father, may that I may, it's in the Jesus prayer in St. John's Gospel, that they may be one as thou, Father, in me, and I in thee. That they may be one in us. And it's just for a moment. Is this okay, folks? Are we, are we still on the train? No one has wants to jump off? If you do, let me know. So we're, we're walking around, and the whole idea of the Trinity. Now, I'm going to give you kind of a... The Trinity isn't a mathematical problem, you know that. 
Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Father, Son and Spirit. Have we looked for, and we're made in the image of God. Image plays a big, huge part in in them. In Meister Eckhart's thinking and the image. And the use of it, he uses imagery a lot, but he says he's preaching in Cologne Cathedral, he's preaching to all these, these, these nuns, these beginnings, and he talks about Mary and Martha, the contemplative and the practical, and he says, who is the virgin? Every time I go to Cologne, I was in Cologne a fortnight ago now, I look at this fantastic place, and I think of Meister Eckhart, he comes back. And he's all these, these, these nuns, there are a huge number of them, and he's asked the question, who is the virgin? Best Jungfrau. Who is the virgin? Can imagine them looking at each other, and who's the virgin? <laughs> <laughs> who is the virgin? And then he comes up with an answer, an extraordinary answer. He says, the virgin is the one that has no pictures. The mensch that kind of build that. Now what does that mean? Well, you look into your life. Remember, we're, the journey we're on the train, we're moving inwards and we're moving outwards. We're moving towards Eckhart. Eckhart is moving in towards us. Eckhart is moving towards God. God is moving towards him. There's all this movement goes. Wonderful move. It's a dance. It's a theology of dance. In, 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 in. And, and this is a dance here. Human knowledge is a dance. It's an ever-going, ever-creative, ever-ongoing dance. Dancing. Master Eckhart teaches us how to dance. So he says, Why does he say the Jungfrau, the Virgin, is the one without pictures? Well, can you think for a moment of pictures we have of our family? Just for a moment, you're going on the train on the way to the island mystics. We're learning a bit about them. And you think of all the pictures you have from your past father, mother, brother, sister, where I was born. When I went to school, school, I went to the university, I went to the, the, the teachers I had, all pictures, 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 pictures. Wittgenstein, a friend of mine, a Viennese philosopher, says, we make pictures of our, we make pictures of facts, we, we picture things to ourselves. And we're sometimes we're stuck with the pictures. And a lot of my life is looking at metaphorical picture books with people and saying, yeah, that may be been true then, but I mean, you're up in this chapter now. Why do you get stuck at that passage, at that scene? And Eckhart wants to know what sticks us in the pictures we carry around. He said, the Jungfrau, the Virgin, is the one without pictures. And in reading him, you realize you don't have the reality of another person. For example, your parents. You have the repair, your, their appearance. You know what they said and did, good, bad, and indifferent. But you never knew them. Why? Because Eckhart says, they're fundamentally mysteries. My God is fundamentally a mystery. And the mysteriousness of God the total God is a mystery, like each one of you is a mystery. Mystery to yourself. Which one can stand up and say, I know myself? Someone was so foolish to do that, you say, well, there stands an idiot. This self-knowledge is a very dangerous thing. And he's, he's talking about these things, and you have to read them very, 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 very carefully. So daily living, he, he says, we're trying to use words. I'm trying to use words to convey something to you. Now, the limits of my language are the limits of my word. So they have the paradox of language. I'm trying to communicate and do the best in my ability to tell you something about Meister Eckhart. And I have to use words. And yet all the time, Meister Eckhart is pointing beyond all the words I can ever use. The word becomes flesh. Which is very interesting. Each one of you is an enfleshed word. But it doesn't end there. So the principle of contradiction. 
People say um, my striker is very much like a Zen. And a lot of interest in Zen is in my striker. But now we come down to a question what are you looking for? In the Gospels, when questions, who are you looking for? That's Jesus. What are you looking for? And I presume you're on this course because you're looking for something. Or maybe you're on the course because you found something. Or maybe you're on the course that you're looking for something and you found something. Both end. And what is God for you? That's the fundamental question of Meister Eckhart. Who, what is God for you? And his answer, and this is a quotation, so I want you to write it down, if you want to. God is neither this nor that. What? God is neither this nor that. Now what does that mean? It means we can never define God. Define, the Latin. We can never put boundaries around God. Define. You never put boundaries. Now we can never put boundaries around you. Never put boundaries around, around another person. Don't let people be problems that you have in your life. Let people be mysteries that you live with. <laughs> it's very, it makes a hell of a difference. All of us can tell the sad tales of our past. Especially in the one person here, I'm not asking you, but we could all tell sad tales from the past. And my Eckhart has something to say about that as well. <coughs> I mean, what, what do we do with history? A big question, my Eckhart, what do we do with, what am I doing with my history? I became a senior citizen recently. I'm a bus pass. <laughs> I wave at a thing, hi! <laughs> Lovely feeling. What do I do with my history? Well, I meet people, this week, slightly clear, but I meet people and some of them are carrying their past on their backs. And they come to me and they say, listen, listen to this story. And when you listen to it and hear the story, you've got to love me. Another comes and say, everything is all right now, but the future, something terrible is going to happen in my future. And the one, one, place they avoid, like the plague, is here and now. Yet Maestro Eckhart says, God is. God is neither this nor that. God is the indefinable one. Just as each one of you is indefinable. And he's always drawing an analysis about the human life and the divine life. He sees, he sees in the human the divine. He sees in the divine the human. He's always drawing this. He's, this is the real paradox. He's using hum, humanity, images, etc., etc. And then he says, God is beyond all images. I pray God to rid me of God, is the prayer of Meister Eckhart. I pray God to rid me of God. No wonder they report him to <laughs> Hello, did you hear what Eckhart is saying in Cologne? I pray God to rid me of God. Chop his head off! <laughs> We're the, our, the Inquisition. <clears throat> what does he mean by praying God? Don't get a fixed idea. So fixed that no one else gets the smell. This is my God, my little God. Lots of people do that. There's only one God, and this is my God. And everyone else is wiped out. Ridiculous nonsense. We know we the truth. And he said, be, be, beware of that. Be, beware of that. God is neither this nor that. The mystery, the sheer mystery of God. There's a lovely book by Joseph Pieper called The Silence of St. Thomas. And St. Thomas was a, a, prior, uh, was a Dominican like um, Eckhart. And when he was 50, he stopped writing. He'd written voluminously. And it's Joseph Pieper asked him, why did he stop writing? And he said, not because he had anything, and he had run out of what he wanted to say, but because he had seen too much. Mm -hmm. That's my story card. 
And he leads us up to this contemplation. Contemplation, as in ancient spirituality, contemplation of obtaining love, where we begin to see God in everything. So we talk about, when we talk about Leicester Eckhart's approach to mysticism, we're talking about mystery, we're talking about adventure, the adventure of getting to know yourself. There's no greater adventure than getting to know yourself. Don't tell me anyone of you could tire of it. But then you meet someone and your whole life has changed. It gets better as you go along. I can guarantee you that. And then you're looking for the truth. Who am I? Who am I today? What's today? I've never lived today before. Someone who had won the lottery last night, three and a half, three point one million. Let's suppose they got it in a sack. There you are, three and a half million, and they say, yes, and what do you like? I'd like to buy yesterday. But they can't. They say, well, okay, I can't buy, yeah, I want to buy tomorrow. Here's three and a half million, I get everything for tomorrow, I want to buy tomorrow. You can't. What's the use of all the money? Some people look for God out there. Some people look for God in here. Master Eckhart looks in, in both directions, out and in, and in and out, all in the middle. Let's come back to the Trinity for a moment. Let's kind of put a modern, um, about the Father, the Son and the Spirit. Let's suppose the Father is unlimited, sympathetic, understanding. That's what the Father is, unlimited, sympathetic understanding. And let's suppose the Son, he speaks a word, and the word is, is a self-expression of the Father in his word. Unlike my words, my words fall out of my mouth and disappear. God's word remains. And the Father's unlimited, sympathetic understanding, the, the Son is the truth, the word made flesh, the word literally made flesh, and the Spirit is in the, the one who enables us to hear. And we're made in the image of God. If we're made in the image of God, and Meister brings the change of that all over his writing, we're made in the image of God, what questions do we need to ask of ourselves? How understanding am I? How knowing am I? Jesus shows us what the truth is. And how loving am I? So he's removing some veils for us in his writing. He's also writing, and I hope I don't offend anyone, but this is a quotation, he's writing for Catholic Christians. He makes full uses of images and symbols. But he always says, look beyond to the reality. But what does he mean by this? This is very, very strong by Scarecard. He says, we can go to church, and he's not against going to church. He was a Dominican. He, was a, he, he preached his instructions with Dominican novices, etc. His instructions were wonderful. Um, he said, we can go to, to, to Mass, for example, and we can attend the ritual, and we can attend the sacraments, and all, but all of those can be just rituals, empty rituals. What we need to do is we go out and we draw from the, from, the, from the rituals back into our lives. How does the Mass, how do the sacraments affect me here and now in my life? That's the question he's asking. What real affect, A-F-F-E-C-T, not E-F-F-E-C-T, what affect does all these rituals, because there are a lot of rituals, and remember he's talking in a time when there were free spirits, so we don't need the church, we just... Etc. 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 He's he's walking on a very very kind of careful path, the path of paradox, and that's why he was misunderstood. Quotes are often misunderstood, and he's walking a very very path, and he's saying unless we can interiorize, if uh, unless our actions in the, in the mass in the in going to church is an, uh, a sign of something interior, then it's just emptiness. It's just pure ritual. And he's very, very harsh on just ritualistic acts 
and say, well, I go to church and then I, I come out from church and I <coughs> give a hell out about my neighbour. That's, 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 that's nothing to do with God. That's not an adventure. That's not a mystery. That's a, that's a travesty. It's really, really hard. Read some of the... Well, we will after it. So he shocks us. Master Eckhart, when you read him, you're going to be shocked. God's in. I know what. God's in. I know. What's that mean? Well, I pray God to rid me of God. What? I pray God to rid me of God. Because I get a fixed idea. God is like this. I become a TV evangelist. It sounds quite obscene at times. Therefore, I pray God that we may rid you of God. He then comes on to a theme of melting. Every experience is melting. Go out here today, walking around London. <laughs> the depth of human self, the ground, the mirror of God, the oneness. And he is also in the oneness and the likeness were made in the image of God. There's something about you that reminds Eckhart of God. You're very like God. You're the image of God. When I go back to Ireland, people say, God, you're the image of your father. You talk like him, you walk like him. All your gestures are his. You're the image of your father. And I wonder, am I really the image of my father? Now, how do we become like God? God desires this, says Eckhart. That's in the mystics. Near the beautiful um, Juliet of Norwich, the 22nd chapter. Jesus says to her, I would have suffered more if I could have suffered more. It was a great pleasure for me to suffer on your behalf. You know that from Juliet of Norwich? What? Wow. What intimacy. Let us have the same to that. I, I would have suffered more if I could have. It was a great pleasure for me to suffer for you. Let us make man in our image. God in Genesis, in the, in the beginning. Let's make God man in our image. So I'm the image of God. But maybe a poor image, but an image. And what, in what way am I an image of God? In my search for understanding, in my search for knowing what the truth is, and in my search for, for loving. Because when the Father speaks his word, what enables them Joining the conversation is the Spirit enables us to hear. That's why faith comes from hearing, it says in the Bible, not from seeing or thinking, but from hearing. Hear ye. So Eckhart is saying, we are made in the image of God. There's something about each one of you listening to me this evening that is made in the image of God. There's something about me that is made in the image of God. What is it? My desire for understanding, the limited desire. My desire to know the truth, always want to know the truth. And my desire to hear and to be heard. Those are the three. On any, and no matter who you are, no matter what you've attained, that's what you want. You want to understand. Everyone wants to understand. There's this tremendous desire to understand. They want to know the truth, tell me the truth, even people dying of. People who come to see me who have AIDS and say, tell me the truth. Just tell, just tell, tell me the truth. Please tell me the truth. Don't, don't go behind the door about Tell me the truth. What is the truth? Will I live? And sometimes you know we're going to die. And the truth sets them free. I've never met anyone. I've never met anyone in my life whom I didn't see the truth setting free. I remember a man who murdered his wife when we did to the hospital. We were chatting, and he said, what has happened? What has happened? Please tell me what has happened. I said, you murdered your wife. I wasn't trying to be cruel. I was just stating the facts. The truth sets you free. You murdered your wife. She is dead. And the look of relief in that man's face, I would never. 
never forget. Because he was someone, this instance me, not, I'm not crazy about that, who spoke the truth. So when we enter into God, our search for God is our search for ourselves. Thee God I come from, to thee go all day long, I like fountain flow from thy hand out. And Master Eckhart rings the changes of this in many, 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 many ways. My real self is much more concealed as revealed. You can hear my words, you can take my words, you can read what I've written, but the real me is hidden, <coughs> and the real you is hidden. I can say that about Jim, my wife, and we're 24 years married. If we stand up, let's suppose we live for another, I doubt it, because we're at our age, let's suppose we live until we were 50, and I stood up at the wedding service and said, I know Jill, and Jill knows me. At that moment, the ceremony, the relationship really ended. Why? Because she would cease to be the mystery that she is. And that's exactly what my story about again. It's very interesting, just on this aside, but it's about this idea of melting. We'll be getting texts, we'll go to texts in, in, in after the break, we'll be getting texts about what is my permanent self? Who am I really, really? There's a wonderful Indian guru by Guru Sri Ramana Maharshi. He says, there's only one question we need to ask ourselves. Is it okay if I need to use another sheet? Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> there's only one question I need to ask ourselves. And if you see, this is the my Sarah question too. Hello, I'm kicking the thing around. Who am I? That's the only one question. If you like, that's my Sarah question too. Who am I really, really? And who's asking whom? Well, my I has a history. Born in a certain culture, into a certain land, in a certain language. And funnily enough, in, in, in my native language, where's the other blue little thing? Over here. Oh! Yes. Thank you very much. In my native language, there's no word for I. In Gaelic, you know, it's a Celtic language. So if I were to say, I'm sad, a broner, usually means sadness comes to me. Mm. Or if I say, I'm happy. I'm happy. You. Pa, pause. Now, what does that mean? What it means is that I'm not identifying with my sadness. Or I'm not identifying with my joy. Something that comes, sometimes unbidden. I was walking through town today, and the next thing I heard a voice saying, I was looking at an antiquarian bookstore, and this voice said, Hello. I said, moment of, I said, hello, and there was a man in saffron robes, and he said, will you receive this? And he gave me a piece of charcoal, kind of a stick, and I said, that's very gracious of you. And he said, who are you? And I said, my name is Jaime. And he said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm looking at these books. And then he said, my name is, and then we had a chat, and he asked me, would I like to contribute to something? So I gave him something, and then he said, he gave me some fruit, and we parted. Let's suppose Meister Eckhart was sitting in the window. <laughs> what he saw through the glass, through the glass darkly, were two human beings. Say hello to each other. All happened in twinkling of an eye. Words exchanged. Something was given, money, the fruit, he gave me an apple, and I still have them. Anyone like an apple or a pear? <laughs> he said they were blessed fruit. Now, my straight is looking out the window, and because he thinks of, we go to God, God comes down to us, we go up to God, and he's all the time thinking of these. What I would imagine, I may be totally wrong, he said, that's the Eucharist. That's Eucharistia. That's Thanksgiving. Here two total strangers, they meet, they're in, they come into each other's presence. So it starts off with presence. 
God's presence to me, God is more intimate to me than I am to myself. You know the expression, if I wake up some morning, this is from Meister Eckhart, and God is absent, I've moved, not God. Isn't that beautiful? So, he's looking out, he sees presence, then he sees a bit of absence. We didn't quite understand each other in the beginning. Then there's an offering. You know, there's a, there's, yeah, there's another place, an offering. Money is exchanged for fruit. There's a communion. And they leave with a blessing. And what Master Eckhart would notice is that's the Eucharist. That's exactly what it's all about. And it's not the Eucharist in the church. It's the Eucharist between two people. Presence and absence and offering and communion. And of course, something is made sacred in the middle. After the offering, something is made sacred. What is made sacred this moment with this person at this minute? Once and for all, unrehearsed, unprepared. No one said it. <coughs> so he's, he's giving us this, the eye, he's showing us how to see in a totally different way.